Support for All My Friends Are In Bar Bands comes from Spit The Dummy Records, a DIY bedroom label bringing dead formats to the masses. Nothing Rhymes With David's second album, Things Work Out For People Like You, is officially up for pre-order. Head over to spitthedummyrecords.bigcartel.com to pre-order a cassette, a tote bag, or a shirt. Or you can get a package with all three. You can also listen to the album in full and download it by heading over to nothingrhymeswithdavid.bandcamp.com. Support also comes from Sad Girls Club, a collection of non-male music professionals helping to get non-male voices heard. Tickets for Sad Girls Fest 2016 are on sale now, October 1st at the Reverence Hotel in Melbourne and October 8th at the Factory Floor in Sydney. Head over to sadgirlsclub.com for more information and tickets. That's S-A-D-G-R. R-R-L-S-C-L-U-B dot com. And support for All My Friends Are In Bar Bands comes from you. That's right, you. If everyone that liked All My Friends Are In Bar Bands on Facebook donated $1 each, we would be able to cover the costs of keeping this podcast up online for the next two years. That is astronomical. Every little bit helps. So if you are interested in supporting this podcast monetarily, just throwing a little bit of money into the tip jar every month, then head over to patreon.com slash barbands. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash b-a-r-b-a-n-d-s. Enjoy this episode with Modern Baseball! Hi there, David James Young here. The date is May 20th, and uh, today is a very, very, very special day for me. Uh, There's some really, really cool stuff going on in my life and kind of in the world around me. Uh, Tonight, I am seeing several of my friends uh, in Camp Cope, Ouch My Face, and Hannah Band play a completely sold-out show at Blackwire, um, which is... uh, massive massive deal for me and it's something that I'm so excited about and so so proud of just to see how far all of them have come over the years and uh, yeah just how fucking incredible they all are and how fortunate I am to have them as friends so my day would be big enough if that was it but uh there are two pretty massive things happening for me personally today. The first, the first of which is the fact that uh, I just put out my second album. Uh, my second album is officially available digitally today. It's called Things Work Out for People Like You. I play music under the name Nothing Rhymes with David, and I've been doing that for about seven years now. Uh, but uh, most people just tend to know me from going to shows or writing about shows. They're, they're not usually aware that I play music myself. And I haven't always been that open about it, I guess, because I haven't always had something to show for it that I'm particularly proud of. But 
I guess that's changed with this album. I've made something that I really enjoy and something that I get a lot out of and something that I'm very eager to share with people. I'm very, very anxious about sharing it with people and I'm very nervous, but I really hope that people get something out of it and I really hope that people like it. Uh, So that comes out today. Uh, through Spit the Dummy Records, who is one of the sponsors of this podcast. Uh, yeah, so a massive thanks to Sam at Spit the Dummy Records, and uh, massive thanks to Kai Whitaker for helping to produce the album. Uh, massive thanks to friends of the show Dave Muratori and Kobe Geddes and Chris Young for appearing on the album as well. I appreciate all of your input and everything that you've done to make this album possible, so thank you so, so much for that. But now we move on to the reason that you're probably here and uh, the reason I'm talking to you right now. If this is your first time listening, I'm sorry about all the personal bullshit, but I'll just quickly introduce myself. My name is David James Young. I am a freelance journalist, a critic, a writer, a musician from Australia. And for the last 49 episodes of this podcast, I have been talking to people that I've come to know through their music and going to see them live and talking to them about their personal journey through music. I've had some really interesting people on and I've had some of the most open and honest discussions I've ever had with other human beings about music. And that is so, so important to me. I don't think I can stress that enough. Uh, It means so much that uh, people... Uh, respond to this podcast and people get something out of this podcast. I would be doing this podcast regardless of whether people were listening or not, but the fact that there are people out there that support this podcast and appreciate it on any level, I know uh, there's some truck drivers and and, uh, van drivers out there that listen to the podcast while they're out on the road, so uh, hi Jason and hi Greg if you're listening. I know there's kids that listen to it when they have to do those big train trips if they're not immediately from the city. Hi, Leslie, if you're listening. And I know there's just some people that wanted to listen to Will Wagner talk for an hour and, you know, they've kind of stuck around from there. So regardless of how you got into this podcast, I'm so glad that you're here for the 50th episode of All My Friends Are In Bar Bands. Uh, So, for the 50th episode, uh, I spoke with Jake and Sean from Modern Baseball. Modern Baseball are an absolutely fantastic pop-punk slash alternative rock band from the States. Uh, In April, they made their maiden voyage out to Australia, and they played four sold-out shows, which is absolutely awesome, and hopefully that will mean that we get them back for even more, even bigger shows, Uh, hopefully maybe later in the year or sometime next year whenever, wherever, we are meant to be together. Hi to Shakira, if you're listening. (laughs) Um, They were absolutely wonderful to chat to, absolute gentlemen, really, uh, really great storytellers, and uh, yeah, super enthusiastic and super excited to be performing and uh, talking to people in Australia, so I'm 
so, so honoured that we were able to hook this up. A massive, massive thank you to Janine Morcos, uh, who works at Cooking Vinyl Australia. She has been an absolute godsend to this podcast and has had a massive hand in bringing me some of the biggest names uh, to chat to me for this podcast, and I appreciate that so, so much. Honestly, I just want to thank every single person. Like, this is just unreal. It's, it's, yeah, it's an incredible feeling, and I am so, so grateful that my creative output is out there. I used to be so nervous about telling people and, you know, was, you know, very reserved about telling people, but I'm so proud to say I'm a podcaster and I'm a musician. I'm not just a guy that you see at shows. I've, I've got projects that I work on and I slave over in my bedroom and in my head, etc., etc. It's and it's stuff that I love doing and it's stuff that I love seeing people react to. So, thank you for listening. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Let's talk to modern baseball. Here's to fifty more episodes. I'm David James Young, and all my friends are in bar bands. Peace and love. Today, I would like to introduce you to my friends, Modern Baseball! Hi! (laughs) Introduce yourselves, guys. Uh, I'm Sean, I play drums. I'm Jake, I play guitar and sing. It is uh, Tuesday afternoon, we're here at the Bank Hotel in Newtown, and we have a very, very, uh, would you you say exhausted after a whirlwind Australian tour? I mean, it was like four shows in four days or something like that. Yeah. Which is, I mean, we're used to to that. Yeah, but you're used to doing that at home, like, you know, like coming, like flying like 20 plus hours to be here. I think the adrenaline excitement kind of, the positivity kind of makes you forget that you're tired. Yeah. So we've been fine. And also everyone here is way nicer than America. Yeah, Ooh. so that helps too. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are doing great. Such shit here. to our international listeners. Yeah. <laughs> we hate it at home. Boo! <laughs> yeah. Gonna come. Are you talking shit about us, man? What's up? Yeah. <laughs> we have Americans. Come at me, bro. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you guys were supposed to come out about six months earlier and um, yeah, now we've finally gotten you here and like in that time like uh like as horrible as this, it almost ended up being a blessing in disguise considering in that time you guys got to you know finish this record and you guys got a lot more radio play here and the, like this huge huge interest in you guys like even more than when that original tour was announced so by the time you guys got here like there was so much man like the entire run sold out it's amazing we were yeah. really blown away by yeah. the response that we got it was unbelievable so, yeah so yeah we're kind of at we can look on, look back at the tour like retrospectively now. Like, uh, what were the highlights for you guys? Uh, the last show at Corner Hotel. Yeah, was super cool. Yeah. That was really cool. That was the that was the only one that wasn't sold out when we got here. 
and we didn't know if it was going to because it was like the biggest venue. Yeah. That was the second show that we added like way back. And we didn't really think it was going to sell out, but we were like getting ready to sound check and Eric runs in the door and he's like, hey, it sold out. And we all just like started <laughs> screaming. It was so cool. It was also yeah. our second show with Camp Coat. Yep. Yeah. So it was kind of like, we're like, oh, we're like on tour together. Kind yeah. of. So it was kind of like a camaraderie thing. And it was so neat because that was, they kept talking about at the day before how they were so excited to play the corner because it was like, as a young band, they were really excited for like you know the day that they would get to play that venue, uh, and it was really special to them. And then on top of that, to have us get there and have it be a sold out show, like, mm. they were so excited too. So it was awesome. Yeah, that's fantastic. Okay, so I want to kind of trace it back in the stem where you originally became interested in music. Well, specifically where it changed from being just something that you were kind of interested in, like, oh, you know, I like the song on the radio, or I like the, you know, this video clip I'm watching or whatever, like, to, to being like, this is what I want to do, you know, like, I want to be a musician. Uh, yeah. with you, Jake. Tell us a little bit about uh, your, your upbringing, kind of how it factored into the world of music. Uh, my family was pretty musical in a basic sense, right. uh, because my mom was a minister, and we were always going to church, and there was a lot of music in church all the time. And when I started learning to play instruments, I would always, like, play in the church band or whatever. Uh, but it wasn't until, as far as... And then also, I, like, listened to punk music. I, like, you know, I found Green Day and I found Blink-182. Of course. But then, I'm trying to think what was the first... And then I got more into, uh, like, more lyrically weird stuff, like when I yeah. found Say Anything in Motion City Soundtrack. Oh, cool, yeah. And those were, like big influences on me starting to kind of write songs at least but I don't think I really thought about like wanting to potentially be in a band for a while until I started going to shows in my town yeah, like smaller man. shows yeah, yeah, yeah. and like, you realize like all ages like matinee shows yeah stuff, exactly yeah. Little all ages shows and because like when you listen to Blink-182 and you listen to Green Day you, you hear about them playing like the big venue in your town being on the radio and all this stuff that's really cool that seems totally unattainable. Yeah, like you can never yeah, do yeah. it. But then when you find all ages shows, you see bands, you know, who like drove down from New York to play in your town, and then they drive somewhere else in their van, and you're like, I could do that. Yeah, that's cool. Fucking it. What about you, Sean? Uh, yeah, almost really similar. <laughs> I mean, my family isn't music musical at all, so it was kind of like I kind of discovered punk from an early age with like. Green Day, Rancid, Offspring, Blink, all those bands. Like, like my brother had some some of the popular CDs, and my mom s- took them away from him because they're so uh, vulgar. Oh, really? But I, I stole them. <laughs> That's amazing. And I was I was younger than him, <laughs> so I got exposed to that. So I always had a love for it. And then it wasn't until like kind of high school because my town didn't really have any scenes, so there wasn't really local shows I could go to. But it was when I got into the bands. Like I and the Avalanche and Bayside and like a lot of the New York scene of like kind of like working class bands where sure, like sure, yeah, I yeah. could go to a show where they play like a decently small venue yeah. and I'd be like wow like this is like attainable and mm. then I'd watch them travel the whole world and yeah, yeah, yeah. the country and it's just like oh wow like this is not like you know looking at Green Day like yeah. on a festival stage you're like oh these are just dudes something you so, can work at yeah yeah absolutely did you guys grow up in a similar area or how far off were you? Sean was in Jersey and I was in Maryland, so four, four hours away. Yeah, hours yeah away. right, right, right. We were both pretty suburban, kind yeah. of. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, right, right, right. The birds. So, yeah. Loving it. 
loving it. Shout out to Tom Hanks if you listen. Um, <laughs> when did you kind of start playing in bands? Like, was that a high school thing? Like, how old were you when your first band started? I think I was a sophomore in high school. Right, yeah, a, yeah. I played in... I played in a band with my sister. And no shit. Other bands. Yeah. Older and or younger? Twins, actually. Same age. Oh, nice. She was the singer and I was the bass player. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> me and my friends thought that decided that her voice wasn't like punk enough for us so we kicked her out of the band Brutal. and then we started a metalcore band oh, without shit. her those are my those are, those are dark times uh, <laughs> that's the most teenage thing you could ever exactly. do exactly uh, and so metalcore band was around junior year of high school uh, and then senior year I kind of stopped playing in the metalcore band and that's when I met Brendan and right. we started playing together yeah right what was the metal band called out of interest? We were called Living Like Wolves. Yes. <laughs> right? Right? That's so fucking great. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Sean, did, were you kind of around the same age? or? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I started playing in band. Like my, I played in my first band. I was like 13, like beginning of high school. Yeah, like, yeah. And did that a little bit around, but didn't travel much. And then the first band that I actually did like consistent shows with was when I was a, uh, I think it was like a year or two later. And we were like a uh, kind of a folk rock band, like, or more so, we sounded like kind of "She Loves You" era Beatles. Ooh, and nice, but like with a punk drummer, uh, <laughs> which was a weird combination. But it kind of it was my real first like dive into like real songwriting because those guys kind of introduced me to like Bob Dylan, the Beatles, Bruce yeah. Springsteen, Woody Guthrie, and like all that kind of stuff. So I was kind of like growing up in punk, and then it was like the first time I was just like, oh. <laughs> I can think about this a little bit different. There's an art to this. Yeah. <laughs> so, when do you two cross paths for the first time? Sean went to Drexel before I did. Our uh, university. Right, then, right, right. What were we studying? Uh, I did film editing. Oh, okay, cool. And then I went to Drexel a couple years later for music recording. Yeah, uh, cool. And there was, uh, there was this open mic night at school every Thursday night. You could, like, sign up go there once a week as a class and you would get a credit for it just to yeah, go yeah. out of this open mic night and like Sean would always go to it I would always go to it uh, Ian would always go to it our manager Eric always went to it uh, Brendan didn't go to the same school but he would come over on Thursdays to come go to it and we, we all met Sean there because he was I, did we know you first as a drummer or a singer? Because the first time we saw you do anything, I think singer. he would play solo at the open mic night. And oh, he had yeah. this fucking sick, grisly voice, and we were all like, oh my god, <laughs> that guy's so cool. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it was from that. And then, like, and it was kind of, it was a weird thing, like, I'd never experienced where it was an open mic night, but, like, it wasn't like bar bands trying to, like, get exposed. No, it yeah, was just, like, yeah, yeah. all college. We were all friends at yeah. the time. Yeah, we just yeah, would, yeah. We'd all hang, and it was, like, the thing on Thursday you did before the college party or whatever. Yeah. We'd all go there, meet yeah, yeah. up, hang out, play music for each other. Yeah, it was sweet. Do either of you remember the very first time that you played live, like, away from everything else? Like, you playing the, like, the gym or something like that? Or, like... I was... As a, as a band or just individually? It's individually, oh, okay. yeah. Well, well, and then we'll go on to the side. I was um, when in my first first band. Somehow, through a friend of a friend, we got like a residency of sorts at this coffee shop. Interesting, right? Where it's just like, yeah, if you want to come here and play music, you could charge every five bucks, and your friends will come. And and we did that a couple times. And, like my mom would drop me off, and then we slowly realized that like the people who owned the cafe and the people that were hanging around it were like. 
you know, into some questionable trucks. And we were like, I was like 13 in this environment. And I finally was like, oh no, this is not, I'm not supposed to be here. So was, it a, was it a jazz cafe? No, it was just, it was like a cafe. Like basically it was the kid, the guy who owned it was from town. And basically like he went off and like had a bunch of unsuccessful things. And his parents like bought him this cafe as like a like, Oh, if we buy Sunny Boy this cafe, he'll be right. responsible and we'll let him run it. And instead, it was just like a hangout for all his druggy friends. That's uh, amazing. Yeah. Oh, that's a, that's really funny. And because, I was just like, yeah. I just want to play music, man. Yeah, right, yeah. right. Actually, uh, when I was growing up, uh, there was this local like cafe called Tea Club. And the one of the people behind the counter was like a drug dealer as well. So what you'd do is you'd go in and ask for your food with extra greens. And yeah, right. Nice. And that's nice. how that's how you Good. scored your weed in my hometown. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> so, what about the first modern baseball show? Like, uh, when did you guys kind of start? Or, or was there like different things that you guys did together before that? Or was modern baseball like the first thing? Yeah, yeah I think modern it was first modern baseball, and our first like actual show, full band, was at our college. Uh, there was like a little venue, just basically like a rec room. Right. At the college where they would have shows sometimes, uh, and we we played there. Sean played acoustic to open the show. Um, a couple of our other friends played, and there were, our friends came this week. So yeah, it was just like a little little college gig. Oh, that's fun! Yeah, that's and so we sweet. we were we ended up getting to play the same spot like a, maybe a year later after like we put out a record. We like and it was with Tiger Shaw. Oh, nice. Yeah. And it was like yeah. one of the, it was one of the first like crazy really big shows cool we played. Um, and it was on the same stage. That's, oh, man. I can only imagine that would have been like a full circle moment. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, wow. <laughs> and at the first show, Ian's bass didn't work for the first like three songs yeah. out of the five that we played. Yeah. I don't think we had gear and I had borrowed a guitar amp from Dave Sinos. Sick, sick. And then Brendan used my old guitar amp. Yeah, so it. just the whole thing was just like cobbled together. Very, yeah, <laughs> very just. Together. Was this something that you guys foresaw as being like something that would expand into like recording and touring and kind of at the level that you guys are now, or did you always just think, oh, you know, we'll just kind of play around and see what happens with it? You know? Yeah, it was definitely just more of a. We didn't think anything was going to happen at all. Uh, the first thing. Probably the first thing we did with real conviction was when we decided, like, me and Bren both had a bunch of, like, an album's worth of songs. Right, yeah. Uh, that we would just play for people around the city, and we had an EP out, and we were just doing it for fun. But there was one day when we were like, we have all this, these songs, uh, our friends are in bands and do this kind of thing, we should step it up and we should, like, record an album and get it pressed and, like, see what happens. Yeah. We didn't think anything was going to happen, but we were like, we should just do it so that we can, you know, have something to be proud of. Um, and that's when we went into the studio and made sports. Um, and then all this dumb shit happened. <laughs> all this dumb shit. Yeah. <laughs> and we're almost early. Yeah, here we are. Oh, my God, right? There <laughs> was, like, when, when they initially asked me to play drums. Yeah. It was the first band that I was going to play in that I didn't start. And I was like, this is really cool. I like these guys' music. I'm just going to start. And the, the idea originally was like, I'm just like going to be like, hired gun, play drums. And I was just like, these are really nice kids. I'll play drums on them. And like my friends I told I was doing it, they are just like, don't do that. 
don't do it, man. It's <laughs> not. It's not gonna. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. That's Quacks, awesome. Quacks. Oh, he missed shit. it. Yeah. They were just like, dude, like, why, like, it was just kind of like a, like, you're going to go play other people's music, like, do your own thing, man, like, and I was just like, no, it'll be fun, like, I'm, like, stoked on these, these guys are really nice. No, I'm glad you did it. <laughs> I'm glad, too. Yeah. Quags, wow, what a traitor. And if it all goes to shit, you can go solo again, Yeah, you know? yeah exactly. <laughs> this guy, yeah, he's speaking at my wedding, so... Yeah. We're still close, it's fine. That's yeah. good. No Congratulations, yeah. by the way. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so, who were the kind of bands that you guys were playing with at the start? Like, what was the kind of community around uh, the area that you guys were based? Like, uh, was it New Jersey, you said, that you guys were all kind of... Philly was where we really started playing. Yeah, yeah. right, right, right. And there were so many fucking cool bands playing at Parade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So many shows happening. But we were... The band we played the most shows at the beginning was this band called Marietta. Okay. Um, who... They were, like, friends of ours from kind of a sister college in town. Right, okay. Um, and we would play shows with them all the time. We did our first mini tour with them. Uh, and then we would also play with... Uh, the first big band we played with was the Wonder Years show. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. asked us to play their record release show, and then I think, like, Man Overboard asked us to play a show one time. Yeah, and then the Bayside show. Bayside yeah. asked us, and then Menzinger's asked us. So it was kind of just, like... Kind of like an organic thing, thing. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah. kind of working around. Yeah. Yeah. But it was such a neat community where, like, if you played enough house shows and stuff or small venues around town, mm-hmm. enough people heard you songs... There were big bands in town that would like you know see that and then ask you to play. Yeah. It wasn't like a vacuum where you were just playing and nothing was happening. So yeah, we were really lucky to be there. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what about the first time you guys toured and kind of went around the place? Like, uh, the, it's the typical pop punk thing to you know be like sleeping in the bed and you yeah. know, like just hurtling down the highway at 100 miles an hour and stuff like that. You know, like. That, right. That's the that's the only exposure that we kind of as Australians kind of have to that whole like touring life, you know. Like yeah. we'll listen to a fucking real friend song about it, you know, and she's yeah. like, "Oh, right, so that's what it's that's like." What it is. <laughs> like, yeah, like because I, I guess we don't really have like a last waltz or like an end of the yeah. tour or anything like that, you know. That's like they, they, that's kind of our insight into it because it's such a different way of touring around yeah. this kind of area, you know. Like, uh, what what was it like for you guys when you were starting out and, and playing outside of your like immediate area. Sean had a van, yeah, which was why we were able to do anything. Yeah, that's handy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we like we definitely slummed it through the beginning of stuff. The band, but yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I think we were fortunate that since we were st- or they were still in school, that like we couldn't just like be like, all right, well, we're hitting the road for three months. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We had to do it in short bursts. So the whole beginning until we went on our full U.S. tour was just these short, like, week-long tours. So like. It wasn't like we were like nobody knew us and we just like headed across the country. Yeah, and, like, yeah, yeah. We had yeah. no money. Like we luckily just like slowly picked at it and also did like every weekend we'd play on yeah. all the cities around us every weekend over and over. So then when we finally had the opportunity to do a longer tour, we were kinda like, you know, more sustainable and more yeah. people had heard about us. Yeah. yeah. So we would play like halfway across the country and people like already knew the songs which was yeah. crazy yeah um, and we were still we were like you know sleeping on people's floors and like you know not eating or whatever it was kind of lucky though because since we did we were like kind of smart about planning it since we were in school and we had limited time there wasn't very much like you know 
playing a show and then having to drive 18 hours to like a show the next day because we were playing it ourselves so we were like oh let's not do that we do something else <laughs> uh, and uh, touring internationally has I guess kind of become a bigger thing for you guys like yeah. especially since the You're Gonna Miss It All record came out um, what, what, what's been that like for you guys like uh, do you remember the first time that you were able to play out of the country like was that like a nerve wracking thing it was kind of, I was just exciting. Yeah. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. I mean, technically, we played like Canadian shows at the Wonder Years. Yeah, that yeah. was our first one. But I mean, yeah. that's it's Love just like yeah, it's just odd. I mean, this podcast is named after them. Really so, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, Kingston was the first place. We yeah. Played. Wait, Jamaica? No, no, no. <laughs> I was gonna London. say, no, didn't pick you guys as much of a reggae group. That was but, the first uh, place we went. <laughs> but it was we were within a circle, you know. We were like. Our first UK tour or European tour was with Real Friends and You Blew It, who we had toured with both of them. Right, yeah. So yeah. it wasn't like, it wasn't necessarily yeah, it wasn't scary. really terrifying. We were just kind of like, all right, this is par for the course, but, you know, yeah. very weird places. Yeah. But it was cool because the first time we went over, we had people at the shows who knew, like, all of our songs the first time. It was yeah. absolutely insane. Yeah. Um, and then, I guess... Okay. We did a little. Did we do a little bit of Germany on the yeah. first one? Yeah, we did. Did a little I bit lost of my shoes. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> okay, this would be good. Uh, Go on. <laughs> well, in Germany, uh, when you're driving with a van, uh-huh. the the German police are really suspicious of you, uh-huh. whether you're carrying drugs or whether your your weight limit is over what's legal. So you constantly get pulled over. We were leaving. We were going through Bavaria. I have no idea. I think in, in, it's all German to me. They pulled us over and got us all out of the car, and they just like dug through all our bags, threw all our shit all over the place. And I had my shoes off because we were on a long drive. I was just chilling. So when I got back in the car, I didn't realize that like in them rummaging through all our stuff, they had like thrown my shoes like out of the van. Oh no! And we drove away. So then I got to this show and I didn't have shoes. Oh, so dude! It was so funny because like. Whenever, like, I remember when that happened, like, right when it happened, I was like, oh, that's kind of funny. That's not a huge deal. You can just, like, go home and get more shoes. And I was like, oh, wait. We're in Germany. <laughs> Where are you going to get shoes in yeah. Germany? They don't even have shoes. Yeah, they have no shoes yet. But it just gets better every time, every time we go over now. Yeah. So we've been really lucky. Yeah. Really fortunate. Uh, I want to, to ask about this in particular, because I've, I've, I've talked to a few artists about this. I want to talk about kind of... I guess because the music is often of such a very directly personal nature, you know, and like it, it's something that you just say, well, this is entirely my experience, this is entirely how I'm feeling about one particular thing, and yet I know so many artists, like, uh, you know, like Smith Street Band and stuff like that, you're like old friends of the show and stuff like that, like, that are in a similar boat of doing something so very intimately and detailedly personal. Detailedly isn't a fucking word, but it's... Ugh. Anyway. It should be. <laughs> it should be. It should be. Yeah. Fucking hell. And yet, they'll have people coming up to them after the show and being like, I feel the exact same way, yeah. man. I've been through the exact same thing. And you're just like, how the yeah. fuck is that possible? Like, have you yeah. been, like, following me around? Yeah. Like, what's going on here? Like, I, I was just curious as to the, the that kind of aspect of things, because I know that you guys have very very passionate fans and you know that no like I, I was at the show last Thursday and like it, it, like you, you guys might have all not have had microphones for all the fucking singing that was happening yeah. you know like everyone knew every single word and was just like super fucking passionate about singing along to every single song and I, I, I'm just yeah curious as to 
what that means to you, considering it is often so very specifically detailed about a certain time or a certain place, a certain person, etc., etc. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think the reason we do it is because we've been in that position before. Sure. When that happens to you as a listener, there's nothing in the world like that. Like, I remember listening, the thing... Like, Say Anything was one of the first bands that I listened to where I was realized that you could write really personal stuff, but yeah. I don't think it was in, that I had a real, like, moment until I was listening to the first Front Bottoms record. Oh, like, sure, yeah. After I got to college and I was away from my parents, Brian, yeah. and Brian's writing is, like, even more literal at times than Say Anything, just, like, talking about hyper-specific situations. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's weird because a lot of times you he'll say something that you haven't directly experienced but in the way that he describes the situation you since he's being really specific you understand so much better how he actually felt about what was going on yeah you know how they say showing instead of telling with writing mm. like instead of saying I felt this way saying what was happening and then the listener can apply how you felt and when you kind of have to go that extra step then it means like so much more to you yeah so that's kind of something that once we started latching onto that and saw how much that was working for our fans, we were like, wow, this is an extremely rewarding experience. And yeah. it's really crazy. Yeah. And how do you perceive it, Sean? Like, because like, you've got, you got the best seat in the house a lot of the time. You know, you're like directly in front of the whole thing just spilling out in front of you. You know, you're, you're right at that. You, you're right behind all three of them. You get to see everything kind of happening. Like, um, I don't know. I mean, it's really just amazing. It's one of the most rewarding things in the world. Like, especially like like that the first on, on Thursday, our first Australian show. Like, mm. because so many times, I just remember being in that position as a fan or as a music listener, where you're like, you get up and you're on the barrier, and you're just like screaming every word at this band, and it's almost like you just like it's it's so visceral and it's just so like. I love this so much. Yeah, I need yeah. to like. Yeah, I, I need to scream I need it. To, yeah. Like, there's no way. Like, I need to express by any means how much this means to me. So you can like, when you see that, it's just like, holy shit! This isn't just like people in the background like nodding their heads. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. is like they need to prove it to you how much they've yeah. been waiting for this. You know yeah. what it's like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so you guys have a new record coming out this year, and I uh, can only assume that there's going to be buttload more touring on the back of that so um, like uh, is it is it exciting to kind of be at that that kind of precipice point just before a new record's out and you know playing these songs for the first time properly for people and so, like going through that cycle again like does it kind of keep things fresh after playing the same songs for a couple of years totally playing these new songs has been so much fun so yeah. fun this was definitely the first album well, we talked about this before, but it's the first album that we wrote like all together in the same room with right, the producer. Yeah. Okay. Um, so to be able to finally play that in front of people, since we feel so much more like a unit now, sure. to yeah. be able to like show that to our fans feels so good. It's like just a brand new experience. So we can't wait to and like right now. We've just been playing the two singles that we yeah, put out, Everyday yeah, Outsider. Yeah. But we're so stoked for the headline tour once the album's out so that we can play, like, all the new songs. Yeah, right? It's going to be, like, a yeah. super fun thing. That'll so. be fantastic. All right, so we'll wrap it up here. But before we do that, I asked this of all of my guests. And now, gentlemen, it is your turn. I want to know. I want to know about the best and worst gig experiences you have ever had as a, as a performer. Okay. So some people like to... Starts 
uh, on a high note and ended on a crushing low. <laughs> so they like to go best then worst. Mm-hmm. Some people like to go worst then best, so they end on a positive. It's completely up to you guys. I don't know if it's actually it's not the worst, but one of them, when it comes to when it comes to mine, just because we were talking about the beginning of modern baseball, yeah, was like our second show, yeah, which was like at some bar in South Philly. Jake knew like exactly what it was going to say. There was like three people there, yeah. oh, okay. and like the promoter left, and they were just, not there to see the band. Yeah, they were just at the bar, and there happened to be a show. There. Oh yeah. right, it was yeah, just, you know, it was just ones. one of those classic, no one shows up kind of shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. But that was it was like when I just started playing with with them and I was like I just graduated in college and I was just like I don't know if I could do this with what another am I doing band. With my like, life? like I played so many shows to yeah. no one through the years, everybody does. Yeah, but yeah, like I was just like it was the first moment where I was just like, Oh no. <laughs> do you just yeah. do this for another year playing to no yeah. one? But, I know. think my my more show is either that or we uh, on the first tour where we were slumming around the whole country, yeah. we played in somewhere in the middle of the country. There were three people at the show Ooh. in a dingy art space. We had a shirt on sale at a table, and one of the three people at the show stole the shirt off the table. <laughs> awesome! <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then best show was definitely TLA in Philly. First time we sold out a big venue at home. Oh, fucking know. Best show was uh, Stone Pony headliner uh, with I'm the Avalanche and Beast Slide. Yeah. Oh, fucking A. Philly represent. Yeah. So it's all to Western. That's some shit right there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. So uh, the album is Holy Ghost. It will be out by the time that the, this podcast is out. And... Uh, by the way, fucking great record, guys. I really dig it. I really enjoy it, man. I'm, I'm, I'm excited for people to hear it, and you can go hear it now because it will be out by the time that this podcast is out. How's the future, right? This is, yeah, this is crazy. crazy shit. I've seen Into the Future, and everyone is slightly older. It's <laughs> wow. pretty exciting. Uh, uh, you can hit up the band on Twitter and Instagram, the usual Dilio Modern Baseball PA, I believe it is. Uh, do you guys have anything you would like to plug before we get out of here? I just want to say uh, I got to give it up to Australia. Um, everybody wearing these striped black and white T-shirts. Yes, cool. it's a thing. <laughs> All over the place. Respect. Good job. Unifying. Respect. Yeah. Perfect, guys. Thank you so so much for your time. Very much thank appreciated. You. Awesome. I'm David Chenjong. All my friends. This has been a David James Young Writes production. For more information, visit davidjamesyoung.com. Happy birthday, Marnie!